What a week it has been. And I've been thinking, I wish I'd have worked with the search committee and fit in a couple of more meetings during the week, because <laughs> it's been a light schedule. <laughs> but in all seriousness, it has been a really wonderful week. It has been the longest, funnest, hardest, nonstop job interview I've ever been a part of, <laughs> with a lot of great food sort of tacked on as a bonus. What's meant so much to me is to have the chance to meet with so many of you, to hear what this church means to you, your love of this place, how you're involved, the way it has touched your lives and the lives of your families. I have enjoyed the conversations. In many of the groups I've met with, we end our time together, uh, we have ended our time together by sharing a word about, is this feeding back? Do people hear it? Feed? Can, we, can we fix that? I'll just talk for a second and we'll get the, the hollow, the ringing gone. Is that better? Still there? Still a little too hot? Maybe down a little bit? How's that sound to people? Okay, we'll put the mic here. It's kind of hard. The, 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 um, the space, SPIF, I, I don't know the acronym yet, forgive me, but the visual arts group when I met with them, uh, Betty DeMars was like, we need to get a bigger pulpit for you up there. I'm like, darn straight you do. <laughs> This is, this is a challenge. Uh, <clears throat> we'll do our best. In, in these meetings, we've often ended, when it's been a smaller group, with just to go around the circle and people share a word or two about what they're leaving with from the time together. And the feeling, the word I've always shared every time has been gratitude. Because to learn from you, to hear from you, is um, it fills me with gratitude. And in the bigger picture, I have gratitude for all of you who opened your homes to me this week and the groups that met in your homes. I have gratitude to the pastoral care team who gave my wife and I an amazingly beautiful prayer shawl and who gave our son Tucker a little white hat for his, uh, for his head, which is beautiful. I have gratitude to my family for helping me make it through this, this uh, lightly scheduled week. And really deep gratitude to the search committee for the work they have done up to this point and this week as well because so many of them have been, multiple search committee members have been in all the same meetings I've been at. So I thank them as well. Uh, A couple of final final things. I want to give a shout out to some of the senior high youth. I know there's up there. I met with them earlier this week and I said I'd love for you to come. I'm thrilled you're here. I think there might be other high schoolers around some up there. It's great you guys are here. Uh, Two final things. There's a raffle going on. (laughs) I bought some tickets after the first service. I'll buy some tickets after this service. You can win a Prius, an electric scooter, a bike. Uh, It's it's $20 a ticket. I'm going to have to deal with the budget next year, so I hope you all... (laughs) I hope you all will buy a couple of tickets. And I also want to give a shout out to all the podcast people, the people who aren't here in body but are here in spirit, who are listening to this service later in the week, uh, maybe even later today. It's great that you're listening and you are in this space with us podcast people. (laughs) Let us now, in that spirit of Mary Oliver's poem, imagine ourselves among the trees and be in that place of remembering. So this morning, I want you to imagine that we are a thousand miles south of here, really sort of southwest of here. And it's July, and we are in the middle of the scorching Texas prairie. 
This is where Gerald Callahan, author of Faith, Madness, and Spontaneous Human Combustion, quite a title of his book, I know. This is where Gerald and his friend Will are, in this same Texas prairie. Callahan writes, We're standing in front of an iron gate that has no fence surrounding it. Beyond the iron gate, there are incomplete rows of oak trees, massive, out of place here. Rows like brown teeth, with every third or fourth one kicked out. Behind each tree, there is a marker, wooden or stone, a foot or two high. On each marker, there is or there was a name. This is it, Will says to me, like I told you. I can't think of anything to say, writes Callahan. So we wander through the cemetery for an hour or more, looking at the trees, trying to read the names on the stones. The wooden markers were long ago scrubbed white by the sun and the wind. Will squats before a treeless stone. I stop beside a bit of granite with the name Pearl chiseled into it. Callahan continues, my grandmother's name was Pearl. I stretch my arms around the tree that rises in front of Pearl's stone. My fingers don't quite touch. Will steps up behind me. Incredible, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And incredible, I think to myself as I release the tree, is exactly right. Each of those who fought this god-awful land for a living laid at the end of their life while a few skinny neighbors in overalls sang Amazing Grace. They laid at the end of their life into one of those shallow graves with an acorn beneath their stiff and calloused hands. And now, where ribs and breasts once lay, oaks have busted up through this old earth and stand whispering to one another in this old wind. Can you see it? Don't you want to stretch your arms around one of those trees? Or speak to the long-dead men and women and hear of their lives, their love, their struggle. Can you imagine those first green leaves coming out of that chute, out of those graves? Into the Texas heat, Gerald Callahan writes, these men and women came from log or brick homes in Europe or New England to sod huts in the middle of the prairie to droughts and plagues of grasshoppers that took everything but the dirt. And the women, who in spite of it all, bore children, then somehow found ways to give those children enough hope to gather up the tools their parents had left them and then to press on. And after all of that, After all of that, all of the brutal days and nights, these people wished for nothing more than to be raised up once again 
into that same blistering sun and burning wind that had ruined them once before. It's this story from Gerald Callahan that's in my mind that I'm thinking about as I am driving to Santa Fe, New Mexico five years ago. I'm living in Tulsa, Oklahoma, driving across the panhandle of Texas into Santa Fe for a preaching conference. And I'm looking for oak trees. The scenery is mostly scrubland and old collapsing houses, small red hills, a few dried, twisted trees, but no, no oaks. I arrive at the preaching conference, and the conference is wonderful, but it's the last day of the conference that I remember most. After the opening readings and words and singing and prayer, we enter into a silence and then are invited to speak the names of people we wish to bring into that sacred space we are creating, this place of memory, so that they might be with us. Initially, I am quiet, just listening to the names being spoken around me. And then suddenly, in that prayerful, powerful place, the presence of my grandmother, Margaret, she always went by Marge, Marge Pulfrey, that presence envelops me. Although she has been dead for eight years, her presence brings a flood of memories. I remember how when She used to enjoy a good meal. She would growl, literally growl her appreciation. Mm. Mm. And I learned from her to growl as a way of saying thanks for the blessing of great food and great company. And I say, "Mm," to the great food and company of this week. (laughs) My grandmother was also a magician of sorts. She could transform any situation into something remarkable. She was a genius at going with the flow, and she knew how to roll with the punches and exit as gracefully as possible when it was time to leave. One time she told the story that on one of her driving excursions, she became totally lost and suddenly found herself turning, not onto a road as she expected, but into the drive through of a jack-in-the-box restaurant. <laughs> and as she tells the story, she wasn't in the least bit phased by this. She promptly ordered a milkshake, enjoyed it thoroughly, and then drove on. Another time at dinner, she explained to her family how she and some of her friends had ended up attending the wrong funeral that day. This is quite a story. As she and her friends stood around the casket looking up at the grieving family, they realized that they recognized no one. (laughs) So simultaneously, my grandmother's two friends poked her in the ribs and whispered, for God's sakes, we're at the wrong funeral. (laughs) The thing was, they had left the church with the right funeral, but had somehow ended up at the wrong graveside service. So... My my grandmother just about lost it and started laughing so hard she couldn't stop, so she bent over and pretended to be overcome with emotion (laughs) so her friends could gently escort her away and they could make a graceful exit. And they never did find the right funeral. 
a few months before my grandmother's own death and funeral, my whole family gathered to visit with her. We knew that she was dying. She knew that she was dying. And we laughed and shared stories from our lives. One afternoon, I had a rare moment alone with her. I come from a large family. I'm the oldest of five, and that alone time is not always uh, available. So to be together with her was special. And even though she would be gone in a couple of months, her eyes sparkled and her face shone as we remembered picking up shells together on the beach on a long-ago vacation. We laughed when we recalled the time I flew a kite with my grandpa when there was no wind, and we ended up running in circles for 30 minutes, (laughs) keeping that kite aloft. She, of course, sat and watched us do that. We told more stories, and then we sat together in silence, comfortable, smiling, remembering. It's that experience, that presence of my grandmother that's with me in this worship space at this conference in Santa Fe. My grandmother, very much a spiritual oak tree who blessed me and so many others in our lives with her generosity and love and hospitality and graciousness of spirit, she's with me in the room, even though it has been eight years since she died. Names are still being spoken around me, and I know whose name I have to say. Marge Pulfrey. And my heart murmurs, yes. She is in that space. We are worshiping together. Despite the years and death and all that separates us, we are worshiping together. I feel her love. Her her pleasure growls, her laughter. And I feel her loss. Marge Pulfrey, I say again, reinforcing her presence. All of us, everyone here has these spiritual oak trees in our lives those aunts and uncles, those parents, those grandparents, teachers, artists, poets, musicians, those who have gone before us, some we perhaps do not even know, but people who have incarnated a love and a way of being that has touched and blessed and transformed us. These spiritual oak trees took risks with their loving and living, and they served something bigger than themselves. The memory of these oak trees, of the men and women and their shining faces despite the hardships they faced, those memories fill our lives with hope and meaning and purpose. And what I can tell you after this week with you is that this church has many spiritual oak trees. The men and women who dreamt of a universalist church in this dusty mill city of Minneapolis who gathered here at the edge of the prairie to put down roots. And what I can also tell you is these spiritual oak trees aren't just from the past. I'm thinking of the living oaks among us, 
John Cummins, the Minister Emeritus, Nancy and Tom Atchison, Betty DeMars, Carol Jackson, Lynn and Donna Elling, Bob Benjamin, Dan Bishop from the search committee. I'm forgetting all of you I've met, but there are many spiritual oak trees in this congregation. People who have been here for 40 or 50 or 60 years, their roots are in this place. We rest in the shade of their work. And I submit to you, it is our vocation, our obligation to take what these oak trees, the living and the dead, to take what they have given us and then in our own time and way to carry that love, that vision, those blessings forward. To let our faces shine with the love of the holy. This is our work individually and especially as a religious community to generously share the gifts we have been given. The givers of these gifts must be honored and remembered because these gifts didn't just drop from the sky. They came from specific people who moved in and through our lives. And now we pass them on. When we name these spiritual oak trees in our lives, those who have blessed, held, inspired, cared for us. It is sacred. It is holy. This morning, I invite you to remember. I invite you to remember and to bring into your awareness, if it's not there already, and to bring into this sanctuary the spiritual oak trees from your life those you love, those who have blessed you, those who have shaped you with their gifts. I invite you to remember them, to name them out loud if you wish, or to simply hold them in the silent sanctuary of your heart. Marge Pulfrey. Friends, we are surrounded by a mighty cloud of witnesses, men and women and children who have touched our lives. The air whispers their name. Our lives, indeed, this very place is infused with their dreams, their hopes, their possibilities, the gifts of those who have gone before And the gift that we as a faith community, as a church, the gift that we have been given is the bold and life-changing claim that love and hope are stronger than death and loss. 
that there are no disposable people, that no one will be left behind, that the embrace of love extends to every single human being. 150 years ago, a small group of brave and hardy souls founded this church. And through the generations, their vision has been kept alive by the faithful who have tended to that fire, who have tended to the embers when the fire burned low. Now, it is our turn to add the fuel of our lives to this faith. As we move forward together into a future we can only begin to imagine, may we remember our ancestors, our loved ones, the great oaks who have helped bring us to this point today. Let us never forget the gifts that they have entrusted to us. Let us never forget that we have come into this world to be filled with light and to shine. May it be so. And amen.